to Psalm 139. Oh, wow. Do you all sense the presence of the Lord in here tonight? He's ready to do a good work, a good work within you. Because we can have the Word of God before us. We can know the whole Word. We can memorize it. But unless we take that Word and live it, it just doesn't become as real within us. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 and 23 and 24. And the word of God says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. In 23 and 24, we're going to give God permission tonight again and know that when we say this, stop it. Thank you, Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties or thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Tonight, we're going to talk about sabotage again. So we're going to talk about that awesome thing of sabotage, the thing that we will do. Hi, Rob that we will do to our lives. Sabotage. We're going to start with Galatians 5, 7, chapter 5, verse 7. And in that um, verse, he's saying, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So sometimes we can really be running well, and then all of a sudden, bam! we're back into sabotage and we're, we're going like feels like we're going backwards we're not really going backwards but sabotage too long and we will be in a setback although you don't go back anywhere it feels like it it seems like it but you really don't go back anywhere and in the midst of it you'll end up coming out further on the other end so when we begin to understand God's ways when we only know the world's ways we, we really go back and we believe that with all of our heart but the moment we meet God really meet God we understand we don't go back anywhere that where we what we do is we just learn a lot in the valley and that's what we do definition of sabotage from the dictionary means the damaging of property or procedure so as to obstruct it means to block a passage with obstacles, to retard, to delay, or to get in the way of productivity or normal functioning. So sabotage gets in our way. When we, when we sabotage, usually we'll sit down. And, um, well, I always think of um, Jonah. He went and sat under a broom tree. You know, that's what he was. And I think of Isaiah, too, when I think of sabotaging, because he ran from um, Jezebel. And, you know, here, here he was. No, that wasn't, that wasn't Isaiah. That was Elijah. He ran from Jezebel. 
Here he did this great feat in God. Isn't it just the way our lives are? A great thing will happen in our lives. Something awesome will happen in the next day. We're sitting under a broom tree or we're running one or the other. I love the word of God because we can see ourselves in there. We're in there. We're practically on every page if we will pay attention to it. So that's, that's what happens. It stops our normal functioning. Here he was. Um, he, he killed 450 false prophets, called fire down from heaven. And the next day he's running for his life. And uh, so fearful of a woman. A woman who says, I'll do the same to you. Afraid of a woman when God had just done great feats. Did he think that maybe God couldn't take care of that woman? <laughs> you think a woman's that powerful? <laughs> Any underhanded effort to defeat or do harm to an endeavor is sabotage. It's deliberate subversion. And I hated to hear that deliberate thing, but that's true. When we, um, when we look at subversion, it means to destroy completely. It means to ruin. It means to undermine the character, the morals, or the allegiance of, to corrupt. It means to overthrow completely. And without us knowing it, we are doing it. We are really making the choice to do it. We're not consciously doing that. We don't consciously say, I'm going to destroy myself today. We don't do that, you know. But subconsciously, we get used to a certain pattern, and we will do it. There are cycles in our lives. Sabotage is self-defeating. Defeat means to prevent the success of, to thwart, to undo, and to destroy. So that's what we do to ourselves when we're sabotaging. We are constantly being tempted to sabotage all the time by our own flesh. It will tempt us to do it by others. Oh, you don't have to do that, you know. Uh, Jesus was tempted to sabotage when he knew that he had to go to the cross and Peter said, oh, no, Lord, that is not going to happen to you. That's attempting to sabotage, you know, to kind of take the easier road to know that, no, that won't happen to me. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, is what he said. In other words, we don't compromise for anything as we come to know him. So we'll begin to re recognize sabotage, but it's not easy to recognize our own sabotaging because it's a skill. You have to learn. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will teach you. He will give you discernment, and you'll recognize when you're doing that. And tonight, I pray we get there that I can give you some things that you can recognize sabotaging. So we are constantly being tempted to sabotage by our own flesh, by others, by the devil. He is so accommodating to us to get us off track, to get us to sit down. Um, other people will do that. You know, anything. We can sabotage with anything. I used to be a pro at it. I was the queen of sabotage. Every day I sabotaged with something. <laughs> And if there wasn't anything, I'd make something, you know. I'd find something to sabotage with every day. Sabotage is to block. It's to hinder, to delay things in our lives. It's to frustrate. It's to restrict, inhibit, prevent, resist, defeat, or subvert. 
And it's all in our flesh. It's all in our soul is where it is. Sabotage slows down or stops our productivity or our normal functioning. It robs us of our spontaneity. All of a sudden, we don't have any energy. Our energy is like wiped out. And we just want to go lay down somewhere, get under a broom tree or run somewhere. You know, we, we just feel like I can't go another minute. But it's me defeating me. And when I begin to see that and understand that, then I know that if it's me defeating me, it's me who can stop defeating me. Awesome, isn't it? It's me blocking me and me deceiving me. And when we begin to get the discernment, then we can see this and understand that we're taking even the deceiving that the enemy would want to put in us, and we're just taking it. We're receiving things. We, sabot we can sabotage our gains. We can sabotage our health, our growth, our blessings. We can sabotage our productivity. Our relationship with the Lord can certainly be sabotaged. Our relationships with others, we can sabotage. Our relationship with our job, some people go out job after job after job. Some sabotage relationship after relationship after relationship. Another form of sabotage is self-importance, uh, taking responsibility really for things that are not in our control or not even any of our business, but we take it, and we take it on, and we can sabotage ourselves in that. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For uh, though the grace, or through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So we're not to think too highly of ourselves, to stay humble. Sabotage is a work of the flesh, truly our flesh, which of course we know is our soul. And even though the tempting may come from others, are from demonic entities, it is through our flesh that we sabotage. We keep it alive in our souls, in our will, our mind, our emotions. We, that's where it stays alive. alive. Though our mind and our, through our mind and our emotions by making a choice in our will. And sometimes we say, I am not choosing that. But yes, we are if we're doing it. We definitely have. If I don't understand that anything that comes at me, any kind of a temptation, even in my thoughts, because thoughts come and I don't have any control over them coming, but if I don't understand that I have the authority given to me by God not to, not to accept it, that I can reject the thought, that I can change the thought, if I don't do that, I have accepted it with my will. I've accepted it. My will says yes or no. And if my will doesn't say no to those things, just by my mere silence, I'm saying yes, and I'm taking it right in, is what I'm doing. Now, when we are in Christ, then we are sabotaging right through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because when we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to check you with your thoughts, with your imagination, with your impulses. He's going to give you those checks. Ignoring and resisting him is what we do when we don't pay attention to the checks. And we submit to either ourselves, others, or the demonic forces. 
that are around us. So we, the word of God says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist our flesh. Sometimes we're as bad as the enemy, right? And that will go away if we resist it. But we turn it around sometimes. We submit to our feelings and to our thoughts and to our imaginations and to the temptations, and we resist God, and we get it backwards. So God wants us to get it the right way. Flesh is mind and emotions and will are all part of our soul. You know, sometimes we think of our flesh as our body, but our flesh, our human, that human nature part of us is our flesh. That carnality that the Word of God talks about is our flesh. And that's in our soul. That happens in our soul. Sabotage is subconscious, meaning it's instinctive. It's inborn. We're born in sin, so it's easy for us to sabotage, every one of us. It's innate. It's inherent. Inherent. It's our sin nature is what it is. It's intuitive. We don't have to be taught to sabotage. We just do it. We have to learn not to, you know. It's involuntary. It's automatic and spontaneous until we start recognizing it and we start understanding that, wait a minute, God has given me control here, and then I can start learning to take it. But before then, I just live in it. It's repressed means it's contained, controlled, put down is what we do with our own selves as we're going through it. It's suppressed which means it's concealed, it's covered up. It's not easy to see. It's not easy to recognize. But God will unveil it for us so that we will recognize it, uncovers it. The Holy Spirit does that in your life. It's subliminal, subliminal, yeah, however. Hidden, it's hidden. <laughs> it's, it's masked. Sabotage is deliberate, even though I hate to hear it. It is the truth, and it's sin, and we need to know that. It is deliberate, but it is so hidden that it takes a humble, surrendered heart to the Lord to begin to recognize, because pride gets in our way, and we will stand on what we think is right, even though we're ruining our own lives. But pride says, you're okay, and you don't have to change. You have a right to do these things. That's pride. But a humble heart before the Lord, he will be able to show us these things that are deep, deep within us, and we have no idea they're there. And we can say, yes, Lord. And the minute we say, yes, Lord, to them, that's when you're surrendered to him, and that's when he can work in you. But until we say, yes, Lord, it, it, he, we're the way we are. It's just the way it is. But when we say, yes, Lord, I want your will in my life. So do whatever you have to do in me, with me, th through me, or to me, that this comes out of me and that I, that I don't do this anymore, Lord. And he will. He definitely will do it. He gives us discernment when we are sabotaging ourselves. He lets us see us. Nobody can ever see themselves before they're born again. There's just no hope of seeing yourself before you're born again because your spirit is not alive. So you can't see yourself. It's only when the Holy Spirit's on the inside and can shine the light into the soul that all of a sudden you begin to see, 
oh man god that's ugly and and god says i love you and you say to him god i don't want that anymore and he says to you i'll take it out and he will you can't take it out you can be obedient to him he's the one that takes it out it's like forgiveness you know people give forgiveness all messed around they think that they have to feel like forgiving the person before they can forgive them and there's no way you're going to feel like it you're dealing with your flesh and flesh is not going to let go of things flesh is going to hold on we just have to be obedient and forgive them speak it out of our mouths and the supernatural part is always god's so he then he takes it and we don't know when, just all of a sudden one day you realize, hey, I don't feel like that anymore, you know, and you give God the glory. And that's how he works within us. See, the more we fellowship with the Holy Spirit and give him permission to convict, to teach, to direct, to discipline, and guide you into truth, then and only then we are able to discern by his power our own sabotage and begin to see clearly how we allow ourselves to be defeated and held back from overcoming so it's the holy spirit it's because sabotage is subconscious that we fall prey to it so easily but the holy spirit knows every part of us he knows our subconscious he's the one that brings it up so often in counseling people you know and and they would get so frightened when a flashback would come, and I would teach them how to have them. God's the one bringing it up. It's not anything else that would bring back a flashback. Satan certainly wouldn't. He'd only bring it back to torment you, to torture you. But God brings it up to heal you, is what he does. And he says, just settle down while it's there. And just wait and bear the discomfort of that. You've already been through it once. I was with you then, I'm with you now. So all I'm going to do is heal you. I'm just going to heal you. And when we begin to see God in that light and begin to trust him, everything begins to change in our lives. We begin to trust God and say, okay, whatever, God, whatever I'm going through, I can trust you. I can know that you're going to bring me out on the other end, and I'm going to be stronger than before, right, like our song. It is only that we will be consciously aware it's only then rather when the holy spirit shows us that we'll be consciously aware of our sabotage and then begin to consciously intervene by pulling those thoughts captive to the obedience of jesus christ by casting down the imagination by controlling those impulses knowing that the lord Obeying him is more important than anything else in our life. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Don't waste your time beating up yourself. That's not getting you anywhere. Just be obedient to God. That gets you so much further and have faith in him and trust in him. So we begin to consciously intervene in obedience to the Lord, and that's practice. The problem is us, not the Lord, not ever the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And Proverbs 20, 24 says, Man's steps are ordained by the Lord, and then can man understand his way. You know, as we learn to consciously intervene, 
meaning as we learn to work in covenant with the Lord, our salvation with fear and trembling, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, then we will learn to use the fruit of self-control. So the fruit begins to be cultivated within our lives. The fruit is so important because there's where your character comes from. You know, you can have all kinds of gifts. Somebody called me today with somebody who's a very gifted person, and they, they want me to meet with them, and maybe they would like to, you know, come in here and do something. Well, I don't know what the Lord wants, and I don't go on gifts because too often I have had very gifted people in here, but the character was not where it should be. So gifts are, you know, they're, they're really without repentance, you know, the calling of us and those gifts that come upon us. And so we have to understand character is what's important, and that's the fruit. And that's what happens as you're working out your salvation. You begin to have a strong character, integrity, all of those things that mean so much, and all of those things that won't take on the world in yourself because Jesus didn't, and he was, we know, filled with character, right? So so it's, uh, and, and the gift of discernment is a good gift to have to recognize sabotage, and know that we are defeating our own selves and we will make a conscious choice before the Lord to stop sabotaging and practice his word. Do what he says. When, um, when we sabotage, we're sabotaging his authority, the Lord's authority. We're actually raising ourselves up, you know, with imagination. It says, any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, or our imagination does, but anytime we sabotage, we're really exalting our own selves above him. We're saying we know better, that this is this is something, I can't take this, I can't handle this anymore. That's where we get, and it's not true. Because we're standing there, I know I used to cry all of those things. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians about sabotage when he said in 2 Corinthians 6.12, you are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. So Paul was saying, we're not holding you back. It's you holding you back, not, not us. They were sabotaging themselves in their own affections, in their own heart, which is their will, mind, emotions, plus their conscience. So our heart takes a piece of our spirit and all of our soul. And that's our heart, so it's kind of combined there. And so that's what they were doing. They were sabotaging themselves. See, we can learn to know ourselves, recognize our own sabotaging by and through the grace of God. But without the grace of God, you know, it's like hopeless. Along with getting well goes responsibility, and somehow subconsciously we fear this. Sometimes we fear the responsibility. What am I going to do if I do get well? You know, and therefore, when we make gains, we sabotage them because it's like that with relationships with some people because they're afraid of a relationship, you know, and they may may have had a few that have gone sire and here they have one now and it's things are going good, but they're not used to something going good. So they'll do something to ruin it and they'll do it themselves. They've sabotaged the relationships. There are marriages that are sabotaged. There's people sabotage, you know, with symptoms. There's, we can sabotage with all kinds of things. So along with getting well, we can sabotage our health. 
sabotage our own health. Some people sabotage their jobs. They'll do something just to get fired, you know, and then they can call themselves again what they think they are, a failure. And so they keep sabotaging themselves back into that position. And what the Lord wants is for us to move forward, right? To keep us going forward. So we fear it. And therefore, when we make gains, we sabotage them. And we sabotage them by not recognizing them. So that's why the fifth step that we have is to recognize your gains and to give God the glory for those gains. Really, the little bittiest thing, recognize it. Forget the failure. Confess that if you have to. But look for the gain because that's when you'll keep moving forward. But if you live by the failures that you make, then you're sabotaging the, the, the transformation that God is bringing within your life. And we don't want to do that. So by focusing on the failures in our lives and proclaim that God's word is not working is what we're doing. You know, some people will say, well, well, it might work for you, but it won't work for me. Hey, God's word is it. And it works for everyone. It just means that some will work it and some won't. And that's the difference. It's not that it won't work for you. He sent his word and healed them. It works because he says so. We are, we are uh, used to being sick sometimes, and we don't know how to handle the responsibility of being well because there's a responsibility that comes along with that. So it is almost as if we plot these things. That's why we say sabotage is underhanded. It's like you plot it. Um, you don't do it consciously, understand, but subconsciously you're afraid, and so you do something to thwart it so that you don't get well. I was just telling um, someone today that this one client that I loved with my whole heart, always loved her, and she was um, schizophrenic and, um, oh, a lot of other things. She just was so many, had so many things, and she would see hallucinations all the time, and she was something else, you know. But you know what? God delivered her. I mean, he totally delivered her. And she was, for three days, so free. And she would call me in the morning and say, I don't know what to do. And I'd tell her, just keep yourself busy. You know, come in here to the center if you need to, whatever you need to do. But don't go back there. Because where she'd go back is to some place in her mind. And she only lasted three days and went back and never really came out again. Never came out where she could be free like that again. What a beautiful person she was, though. Loved her with all my heart. All my heart. Anyway, um, so it's almost as if we plot it. We, like, make out a strategy of how to keep ourselves sick, how to keep ourselves from getting well. You can do it with sick, with getting well, with relationships. You can sabotage anything in your life, anything at all in your life. Wanting to stay in the boat and not step out, not step out of the boat onto the Word of God. And see, that's where we walk is on the Word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet, the Word, and we walk on the Word. And because, you know, Peter, when Peter walked, when he stepped out of that boat, he wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the Word of God. Jesus said, come. And he walked on that word until he got into the flesh. And then he realized he was in water. And naturally, then fear struck and down he went. 
and he sank, and we do the same thing. But he walked on the word, not on the water, and God wants us to do the same thing. Walk on my word. Believe my word above your circumstances. Believe my word above your pain. Believe my word above whatever you have. Believe my word and do that and not anything else. You know, I just want to, we got a little bit of time here. Um, we got to know so much is in our thinking, and we have to pay attention to what we're thinking. We get so used to not paying attention to what we're thinking, and thoughts are just coming and coming and coming. And it's okay if we're in a normal place, but if we're not, if we get stuck, if we're going through something, then our thoughts can get stuck and can become preoccupied and can go very negative. And if we're not paying attention, we can be thinking those thoughts for a half hour, for an hour, for a day, for a week, for a month, you know. We can be thinking those thoughts and getting ourselves in more and more deep trouble. It's all that depression is, is really anger turned inward. It's just rotten thinking that was never stopped, and so you just keep going down further and further and further and further. Once that gets straightened out, you won't have it. You won't be depressed. That's the way it is. So think about yourself and how you sabotage yourself from goals, from getting well, from enjoying yourself. Some people won't even let themselves enjoy themselves. You know, well, I know I'm going to have a horrible time if I go. Well, fine. Now you've just set yourself up. See, you've sabotaged yourself. You'll go and you'll have a horrible time, an absolute horrible time, because you put yourself there. You understand? You know, how you work yourself up and you know, that's all that it is, is sabotage. Just keeping yourself. Honestly, if we would all just focus on Jesus and keep our thoughts according to his word, you know, um, so often, you know, I've said if we could take that word and just kind of chinka, 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 and it go in, in there and out the other side comes our, our thoughts, our mind, we'd be so whole and so healthy we would just be like Jesus. That's <laughs> who we'd be like. It's just like him. Have you ever uh, not wanted to do something? Yeah, that's a stupid question, isn't it? Like make a phone call that, that you didn't really want to make or have to go somewhere that you don't really want to go, you know? And all of a sudden, there is all of these things that come up and you just can't seem to make it. You know, what you're doing is sabotaging. You're putting things in your way, those things blocking your way. You know, funny thing is that while all these things are coming up, uh, we carry temper toward every one of them. And we also carry guilt because we're not doing the thing that we know we're supposed to do. So the whole time we're sabotaging, the whole time we're not doing what we're supposed to do, the whole time we're doing the dishes, you know, you never do the dishes, but here you have to do this thing that you don't want to do, and you're doing the dishes. Putting in a load of laundry, you've got to do all these things, you know, and you're just sabotaging. Is All you're doing is sabotage. But at the same time, you're working yourself up and you're carrying guilt because you full well know you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so guilt is starting to come and more tempers just more tempers is happening within us see temper is placed upon temper and we can stack it 
and something will happen in the morning, you don't deal with it, you don't practice with it, then something else happens, you put that on top of there, you didn't deal with that neither, something else happens, you didn't deal with that, the traffic is bad, you're not dealing with that, you just start complaining about all these things and you're stacking this great big stack, I used to do that every day, every day of my life, and this woman that I would call uh, in the office, I'd call her and about five every afternoon and tell her all the symptoms that I had and what I was going through. And she'd tell me the same thing every day. The more ridiculous you make this to yourself, the less you'll do it. Basically, she was telling me, you're sabotaging. She'd also tell me if you wouldn't put the first brick in the morning, you wouldn't have to tear down this big wall every afternoon. So I would stack things every day. This wasn't going right, that wasn't going right, and carry temper toward every bit of it. If I got a pain in my arm, that was dangerous. If I got a pain in my leg, that was dangerous. If my back was hurting, that was dangerous. There was nothing little with me. Everything was a major big thing, and I'd make it all major. You know, everything was exceptional. And God wants us to come down and just know that it's not all exceptional, and He is God. So we just temper placed upon temper then pretty soon the symptoms start because of all the temper and we forget all about then our sabotaging our goals and we may now center on and focus on the pain and that's what I would do now I'd get a headache maybe I'd get a migraine now I forget all about all those things that I never dropped my temper toward and now I'm focusing on this and I'm carrying temper toward this so you can keep yourself worked up all day long if you want to and until we learn not to. We really can work ourselves up to the sky's the limit. We used to do it all the time. We get ourselves into a mixture of fear and temper, which can be prolonged indefinitely just as long as we care to maintain our favorite pastime of self-torture. And we have no idea that that's what we're doing, but we're really torturing our own selves. So it's silly and it's senseless, and we do it to ourselves, but we must be patient with ourselves and know that it takes time to learn to recognize sabotage. And one way that we sabotage is to reject a statement made by someone without opposing it openly. And we can do this in our thinking too. So I'm going to give you all just some examples here, you know, of how silly we really are. Um, let's say the counselor says, well, you know, there's really no right or wrong in trivial affairs. And the person says, oh, I don't think that I'm right. I just think that they are wrong. And so it's a sabotaging statement. It's um, coming back with something. It's staying where you are, you know, but trying to smooth it. Or let's say, um, oh, I'm not attaching danger to my symptoms. It's just that I feel something terrible is going to happen. Well, what do you think that is? You know, that's danger. Something is going to happen to me. I always thought that. I didn't know what was going to happen. That's the funny thing about symptoms. You know, you, you, you think something terrible is going to happen. But if somebody asks you, well, what do you really fear? You don't know. It's just fear. It's just fear. Now, it's, let's say, um, you know, counselor says, are you using the temper of self-blame? Oh, no, I don't blame myself. I'm just telling you my story. Just telling you my story. Are you still having trouble making decisions? No, I just can't decide what to buy. 
<laughs> I'm not afraid of the symptoms. I just don't want to have to go to the hospital again. Can you see the sabotaging statements? They can be so deceiving. And we can have ourselves so deceived. See, I'm not afraid of the symptoms. I just don't want to go to the hospital again. There's a lot of danger there that they're attaching to those symptoms. And the symptoms are saying to them that you're going to have to go to the hospital again. And they are afraid. Um, you know, we sabotage not only the doctor's authority, if we're going to a doctor, but the great physician's authority, Jesus Christ. We sabotage the word of God every time we stand on our feelings instead of his word. We're sabotaging the word of God. That is, feelings say things are never going to be better. And we agree with that. But God's word says that he keeps on causing all things to work together for good in your life to them that love the Lord to them that are called to his purpose so they're going to get better here's a word right up there God will restore the years that the locust has eaten these are solid words of God it means we're not going to stay where we are things are going to get better in our lives you know which one are we going to believe it's our choice it's our choice all the time. What are we going to believe? You know, um, a thought says in our mind, nobody cares. Nobody ever did. But God's word says that he died for you and that you are the apple of his eye. And you know, lots of people care. I remember when I was at church and everything was coming up against Prosel at one time. It wasn't pastor, but it was the people in the body that was coming up against it. And um, I would go into pastor and go into him, and he would talk to me, and he'd call me in, and he could not figure out what was going on. He'd come over to the center one time to try and figure out. Finally, I realized what was going on, and I told him, but he, he just couldn't, still couldn't figure it out. He couldn't comprehend it. But um, I remember going home one night from countryside, boo-hoo, and just weeping. And I used to always drive the beach whenever that happened because I, that's where I go. You know, and I go to the beach, and I'm driving, and I'm crying, and I'm telling the Lord, nobody cares. Everybody's against me. Everybody's against Prosso. And he says to me, how many people go to Countryside Christian Center? And I said, I don't know. So he had me thinking now, maybe 2,000. And he said, how many people know you? Oh, I said, I don't know. Well, take a guess. Well, maybe 500. He said, that's not everybody. And so he pulls us back to reality is what God does. Because we get into these sabotaging states of emotionalism. And we say it's horrible and it's terrible and it's never going to get any better and everybody's against me and nobody cares and that's not true that is just not true even people care but he especially cares he especially cares so who are we going to believe you know am i going to believe my thoughts am i going to believe my feelings then i have sabotaged the word of god when I do that, we also sabotage in another way with the word. We say, I just don't pray enough or read the Bible enough. I just can't do it. I try, but I just can't do it. And you know, God is not there 
whipping us and saying, you have to read the Bible this, this many, you know, days and this many minutes a day and, and you have to pray and he does not do that. He works in your heart where these things are not, uh, uh, I have to thing because that's where I used to live was I have to get the kids ready for bed. And I would just be overwhelmed and think, I mean, I had six of them and I'd think, oh, I have to get the kids ready for bed, and I wouldn't feel good. And the Lord would get to me and told me, change one word, just one word. Say, I get to get the kids to bed, ready for bed. I get to. And when I started changing that word, that I get to get the kids ready for bed, all of a sudden, I started enjoying getting the kids ready for bed. Just changing our language. If we say, I love to read the word, not I have to read the Word. All of a sudden, things will start changing within your life. I hate my job. I can't stand my job. Well, you're having a hard time. But if you start saying, I like my job. See, by saying, I hate my job, you're sabotaging your own self. You're setting yourself up for go there and having a lousy day. But if you say, I love my job. Thank you, Lord, for my job. I'm grateful for my job. All of a sudden, your whole attitude changes and you start liking your job. You really do start liking it. So we continue to sabotage sometimes, condemning ourselves for not doing it and sabotaging ourselves from doing it. Always saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, which I can't means I care not to, I care not to, I care not to, because you can, you can pick up a Bible, and you can read a verse, you know, you can do that. Let's close <clears throat> again with 2 Corinthians six twelve. You are not restrained by us but you are restrained in your own affections. You're restrained in your own affections. Father, we want to thank you so much for your word. We give you praise and honor and glory, knowing, God, that you want us free more than we want to be free. And you have it all written for us in, the word, in your word. Your word sets us free as we take your word and not just know it, but do it as we become a doer of your word, not a hearer only, as we take your word and we apply your word, as we take your word and we're obedient to your word, then things begin to change within our lives. And we thank you, Father, and we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory, all in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.